Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Welcome to The Art of Social Media podcast. Today we have with us Justin Rowe. Justin is a LinkedIn legend, a paid ads expert, and an agency owner called Impactable. Justin, you kind of had a very interesting business, and now you are with an agency. Why don't you tell us something about yourself? Give us some background and tell us why we should listen to you. Yeah, I actually came from the restaurant industry for most of my early career, which is not where you typically see a marketer or an agency owner come from. I discovered LinkedIn kind of early, early on, maybe six, seven years ago, and I used it to find opportunity. I used it to connect with recruiters, HR managers, district managers, company owners. I was initially just looking for better opportunity, but I stumbled into how powerful the platform was. From there, I actually became a part owner of a small restaurant franchise. LinkedIn helped attract investors that I ended up, you know, starting down that journey. That freed me up to have a ton of extra time. Realizing the power of LinkedIn, I started a LinkedIn outreach agency. Uh, we were serving 200 active clients um, at one point. And then I actually, about a year and a half ago, uh, we went through an acquisition. I sold the majority of the uh, agency to a data investor. And we pivoted uh, the company at that point into a LinkedIn ads agency. It was something we were only dabbling with at the time. But after the acquisition, we made that our primary our primary focus. And since then, I think we've worked with around 450 companies on the LinkedIn ad side. Previously, we had worked with about a 1,000 companies on the LinkedIn outreach side. But now we've made the full transition. We have about 170 active LinkedIn ad clients that we manage. And I think we're one of the larger LinkedIn ads agencies in the world. I mean, there's, there's really big marketing agencies that happen to manage probably a, a lot of LinkedIn accounts, but there's not that many link, pure LinkedIn ads agencies that are managing as many as we are. So in that regard, I think we we kind of shot up and became one of the experts uh, in that space. That's an interesting journey. Tell me something. How do you attract investors for a restaurant on LinkedIn? How does that work? In which world that works? <laughs> it happened accidentally. But the the long story short is I became... I started posting on LinkedIn about my journey and I started growing my network in my city. And what accidentally happened is I became one of the most visible, probably the most visible restaurant operator in my city on LinkedIn, which sounds impressive, but I guarantee you there's in most cities, there's not a single person trying to dominate LinkedIn in the restaurant world. So if that was someone that wanted to try that, there probably wouldn't be that much competition. You could be the most visible restaurant operator in your city on LinkedIn in any given city. So by doing that, which wasn't hard at all, I realized when investors were coming to LinkedIn looking for operating partners, they had money, they wanted to start a franchise, and they were looking for a restaurant operator to partner with. Apparently, they they would come to LinkedIn and they would start their search and they would look, you know, restaurant operator in Fort Wayne, Indiana, or in Louisville, Kentucky. And I was the number one person that showed up. And so they started reaching out. So yeah, I accident because I was active and sharing my journey and posting as a restaurant operator, 
I became the most visible restaurant operator in my city, which accidentally kind of attracted investors to find me and seek me out and present uh, partnership opportunities to me. And I ended up taking one of those and started a uh, potbelly sandwich franchise. So we actually have, so if you're in Louisville, I have, we have the one in Fort Wayne, and there's actually three potbelly sandwich shops in Louisville that I'm part owner of. Pretty cool. Great journey. Yeah. Why LinkedIn? Why not do this on Instagram or Facebook? Like what inspired you to kind of go to LinkedIn? Early on, I like, so I'm not a very, I was never one that was on social media before. I was never active on Facebook or Instagram. I still am not on Snapchat or most of these social media. So what attracted me to LinkedIn was that it was a professional network. It was a place, it was kind of, it was a place where, you know, professionals, if you were popular on LinkedIn or if you're visible on LinkedIn, I feel like it has more real world benefits than if you're just popular on like Instagram. Unless you're, you know, unless you have a, a consumer brand, then being popular on Instagram would probably be really good. But for me, if I have business aspirations, then being a visible person contributing on LinkedIn, I thought would have uh, a lot of benefits, which it really did. Got it. So I'm assuming when you say you were active in on LinkedIn, uh, you were mostly about organic posting, where like just building in public, sharing your journey. Yeah, my the two the three main things I would do is I would send 50 connection requests a day to my target audience. And early on, my target audience was people that might have better jobs and opportunity for me. Eventually, it became people that might be potential investors. And then now it's you know people that might be potential uh, clients. But sending connection requests daily to a target demographic, so and expanding my network in a targeted way. The second was posting consistently. And a lot of it was just sharing my journey, my lessons learned, my failures, my wins. And I... Someone the other day had said that they went back through like three years of my posts. And they said they saw a couple of posts that they liked and they went back three years. And they, you know, it really tells a story. Like I started posting when I was a restaurant operator looking for a better job. I was posting all the way through when I was a, became a part owner of a restaurant franchise. And then I was posting about how I started this little side hustle about LinkedIn outreach. And then I was posting all the way through when that agency sold. And now I'm still posting as a CMO of Impactable, growing a LinkedIn ads agency. So yeah, I just post about my journey, um, shared my insights, my, my philosophies. And then the third thing I did was I engaged a lot with the community around me. So I would spend a decent chunk of my day, not a chunk of the day, but at least an hour a day, I was usually spending just commenting on other people's posts, engaging with the community around me, and just being active and showing up in that way. Uh, and those three things, I think, really helped grow my presence and engagement uh, and following on LinkedIn. Uh, and how long back did you start it? Uh, you said five years? I want to say five or six years. So my son, I have a, a son that just turned four. And I remember when right before he was born is when I was freelancing for LinkedIn outreach. I LLC'd the company a couple months after he was born. So that was four years ago. And then I probably got started down the actual LinkedIn road and got into the restaurant uh, ownership side a couple of years before that. So probably five or six years ago is when I really got started into LinkedIn. Right. So the three things that you mentioned was we're like sending relevant connection requests and then posting consistently and then kind of engaging with the target audience. And that used to work five years ago. What is working now on the organic side of LinkedIn? 
I think those those main principles haven't changed a ton. You used to be able to send a lot more connection requests than you can now. You used to be able to send 50 to 100 connection requests a day. Now you can only send 100 connection requests a week. So I would say that one is limited. The other two are very much still core principles. I post pretty much daily and I spend about an hour a day engaging with the community around me. I think it just has to be done with intention. So the you know there's caveats to it. Like you can't just post anything, post funny memes. If you're posting kind of your niche industry experience, that goes a long way. Because the whole goal, my mindset around posting or being popular on LinkedIn, I don't really care about being popular or having viral posts anymore like I used to. The main thing I want to do is I want to position myself as an expert resource in my little corner of the world. So that if and when people that are in my little circle... Well, I guess I have a decent size circle now. In my circle, have a need, you know, I'm the one that they think about or our, our agency. So I post, you know, basically I, I post helpful hit tips, tricks, hacks, and I kind of work through and give the whole playbook away, like exactly what people pay us to do. I'll teach people how to do that for free through my LinkedIn posts. Because uh, the people who have the budget and lack the time, you know, they have no intention of stealing my playbook and doing it themselves. They want an expert to do it. And we're demonstrating that we are that those experts. Makes a lot of sense. So you're saying that core principles remain the same, but then LinkedIn itself has changed a lot. The type of content that you can publish on LinkedIn, be it videos or be it like PDFs, uh, be it like those carousel posts, extra. Uh, does How does that come into play for organic posting? Yeah, so I do feel like I I kind of... I kind of fell off the map a little bit. I stopped being active about uh, a couple of years ago and I took about a year off where I was really not active. And then beginning of last year, I came back with a vengeance and I've been consistent ever since. I really haven't changed up the my format too much. I did start getting into video more last year. I started growing the YouTube channel and then using videos over here. I was just doing the editing uh, myself with some basic programs. I know a lot of the popular content creators now, they're really big into using carousels and the documents. And I've dabbled a little bit in those. So I I think you can use whatever you're comfortable with. And I don't think you have to use... I mean, one thing I know is that if LinkedIn introduces a new content type, they give a lot of additional boost to content creators who use those. So there is a lot of benefit in trying to you know keep up with what's trendy and use the carousels and use the document. But if it feels like too much for you to keep up with... It, you know, you're not you're not missing out on you know you can still be successful just making text posts uh, every day uh, if you don't want to put yourself out there with videos and selfies and if you don't have the assets to create carousel ads if you just give your knowledge away in text posts you could still do really well for yourself and again it's not about what kind of content gets the most views it's you know how are you most comfortable sharing your expertise and and at what pace can you do that consistently that's usually what ends up being the difference. Got it. Do you spend a lot of time coming up with this content strategy for LinkedIn? So most of last year, I was kind of just shooting from the hip. I mean, I have I have a basic philosophy of I want to share value. I want to share my journey. I want to share uh, my wins and failures. And over kind of... I started analyzing the posts a little more, like which posts were getting the most traction, which posts actually created like inbound leads for us. And I got a better idea of I kind of loosely had a framework. Like I I realized people really like real examples. So once a month, I would share the actual stats from our LinkedIn ad campaign. I would share exactly how much we spent from each layer, what the results were, how many booked calls, what the costs were. There was another one of, you know, overall 
at our overall marketing strategy that involved more than LinkedIn. People really liked those actual numbers, how many booked calls we got in a month, where we were spending, what ad channels we were spending our money. So over time, I did get like a basic framework after just tons of trial and error and seeing what worked and didn't work. This year, we did get a little more serious. So up until now, all through Link and Learn, through the acquisition, up until January of this year, I was the only uh, marketing department of one. It was just me making content, running our ads, which I mean, I, I like that Lean Startup. We, we didn't have to pay for a CMO. I was the CEO and CMO. But it is hard to put out a high quantity of quality content and be consistent when you you know you don't have more people in your department. So I did break down and finally hired a full-time marketing person on our team in January and their first or main objective is to just help me improve the quality, maintain consistency and and flesh out these things so that I, you know, can just show up and do my part and don't have to do, you know, as much of the back end stuff and as much of the planning and plotting. I can just kind of scale my my time more efficiently. Got it. So Congratulations on getting your first hire for marketing. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, that'll kind of yeah. ease up your time. Does LinkedIn yeah. Organic play well with other channels? Do you have like strategies around repurposing content? Do you you mentioned you take YouTube videos and post them on LinkedIn? What else do you do to ensure that content gets published everywhere? So yeah, it's, it's one of my goals for this year is to is to get deeper dis- distribution to the other channels. So the main channels that I focus on is I guess that's something. So Posting the same video or content on five different channels, you know, that's better than nothing. It's really good to go deep on a channel or two, you know, because that layer of manual engagement with the community around you, that's kind of one of the big drivers that helps you grow on a specific platform. And that's hard to do on all of them. So, yes, we don't do as good of a job as we should about distributing our content on all the platforms. Uh, we distribute on LinkedIn organic LinkedIn company page, uh, the videos that I'm making, I, I put up on YouTube. And then a lot of the other content I try to package into our newsletter as well for distribution. And then I'll even take some of my or my top performing organic posts. And LinkedIn doesn't let you sponsor organic posts directly, like not from your personal page. But what I've kind of done as a little cheat code is I'll take a screenshot of my organic post and then I'll run that image as an ad uh, and put ad spin behind it and, and send that to my target audience or as a retargeting ad. So it looks very organic in the feed, but it's actually being uh, sponsored and pushed out by my company page. But it has like my picture on it and it looks like one of my organic posts because it's just a screenshot of that. So those are the main ways that we we try to distribute. We could do it, definitely do a better job of pushing out to Facebook or chopping it up into like some Twitter posts, but we haven't done very well there. Interesting. So. Your core message here is go deep on a channel and kind of uh, build a community around it rather than going wide, spreading yourself too thin. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I would definitely go deep on a channel or two. And I would say going deep on a channel or two is probably better than just going wide and not going deep on anything. If you have the ability, I think the answer is a mix of both. Like I would, even if I don't have any time to engage on Facebook, like I still want my stuff to be published there and there's no harm in pushing it out to all the platforms. So I do think you can, you know, you can easily set up a wide net where you at least distribute it wide, but then you should pick a channel or two where you can kind of go deeper, engage uh, and grow more uh, following a little faster. Makes it all sense. Nice hack about taking a screenshot and publishing that on your company page to do ads. Uh, I guess a lot of tricks that you might have learned running LinkedIn ads. Uh, spill the beats. What, which type of LinkedIn ads work the best? 
So I would say the the standard that most people are using is single image. And I would say there's nothing wrong with those. That's still probably a really good uh, ad type to have in most of your arsenals. I'm really a fan of... So with single image, one of my favorite is actually doing what I just said, taking a screenshot of an organic post. I've even done where, you know, I've taken a screenshot of like a YouTube video with like the views. Because I think part of part of the the hack is there that you include in the screenshot, the social proof, the number of likes and comments. So you take a, a highly viewed video or a, a post with a ton of engagement and you screenshot that. And, and when you use that as an ad, the thing it does is it kind of jump starts that social proof, social engagement. Because one of the things we've seen is when you're running an ad, the more likes and comments it gets, the lower you can drive your cost per click down. When people see that other people have engaged with it, they give it more attention. So if you can hack that a little bit by screenshotting that and making, you know, showing people that you have these posts that have gotten a lot of traction, uh, it really helps. The other thing, the other video or the other ad type that I really like is video uh, because, and it's it's the reason I, I got attracted to YouTube is because humanizing your brand a little bit, showing a face, showing personality, giving people, you know, more of a, a feel of who you are and what you're about. I think that goes a long way for making them trust you and making them feel comfortable working with you, especially if you can show them, you know, more about your CEO, your founder, your philosophy, or even your team. Like these are the actual account managers who will be helping you. They're, you know, they're nice, they're experts, they're, um, they're professionals at what they do. So I think the single image is kind of a foundational one that most people are probably should be running video. If you have the assets, I really like the other great thing about video ads is that instead of just tracking, they clicked it yes or no, it's how engaged were they with the video? Did they watch 25%, 50%, 75%, 97%? And then you can retarget based on that. So I could run a video, I could run a cold campaign with videos, and then I could choose just to retarget those that were highly engaged with the video. They watched 97% or 75% of the video. I retarget them with the next kind of stage. Or if it's video in the retargeting layer, so I already know they engaged in some way, visited my website, we retargeted them with video ads, and they were highly engaged with that. So that's a really warm audience. That might be someone, that might be a group you put a lead gen form in front of with a stronger call to action, because you know they've been highly engaged with multiple layers of your ads. Those are the two top ones. And then the third one that I would say probably everyone should have is text ads. Kind of text and spotlight ads I put in the same, uh, but text ads are a little better. They get a bad rep because they don't have the best click-through rate and they their cost per click isn't that amazing either. But if you use them as retargeting, what I found a lot of times is you essentially get free advertising. I've seen it so many times where you have 10,000, 20,000 impressions and you've only paid $10. So I don't get hung up on the fact that I haven't had a ton of clicks. I look at all the free impressions I'm getting. It's almost like you know, if you could pay for a billboard and X amount of thousand people you know drove by it, but you only had to pay $10. Like, I don't care that I couldn't get a ton of attributable conversions from it. In my mind, I know that free advertising isn't a bad thing. So I, I really like those for that reason. Interesting. So the video ads, single image ads, and text ads sound like a strategy. Do you have a particular client type? Are all your clients B2B clients? What I feel to understand is, is LinkedIn meant for B2C advertisers? I would say... I think all of our clients are B2B and not that we don't serve B2C. But I, the challenge is that compared to other ad channels, the cost can be a little higher. The cost per click, the, the CPM, 
uh, the cost per lead, the cost per conversion, it can be higher. The What we tend to find is that the quality is also higher. So once you see the fleshed out data, you, you're usually willing to pay a higher price for these leads and conversions because they close at a higher rate and they buy the deal size they're bigger. But for B2C, especially if the LTV, like if the amount that you're getting from the offer isn't that much, uh, I think that can be prohibitive. And like, because it really works better if you're the lifetime value of getting a new client is, you know, $5,000 or more, or at least $3,000 or more. So when you get into like the lower LCV, which a lot of the, you know, the B2C kind of is, that's where the math gets kind of hard to justify. Like you do have to spend a decent chunk to get these. And so, yeah, if the offer is on the lower end of the price range, then it, yeah, it might be hard to justify. Got it. Going back to your strategy that you just mentioned about getting clients, uh, cold campaigns, and then retargeting extra. It sounds like you have a funnel set up for LinkedIn, like series of ads that you run for a same audience. Tell me more about that. How does that work? Some some example. Yeah, so I kind of developed this basic framework of... I, it's like a six-month framework uh, where we do... Where we retarget and we put them into uh, certain little buckets. And the main is that I target them cold and in this initial layer, the cold layer on the left, and then for 90 days, so this pocket, this pocket in the middle, for 90 days, we retarget them. And we, the big strategy, the big mindset is that we're looking to build trust and credibility. So we retarget them with things like case studies, testimonials, press releases, expert advice. This is where I also layer in the text ads and the spotlight ads, which we talked about. Could be a good spot for lead gen forms as well. So after they engage initially, they go through uh, 90 days of retargeting. If they make it through these 90 days of retargeting without engage, without engaging with the ads, without visiting the website again, or without converting, most of the expensive ads, like the in-feed, uh, single image, the video, the lead gen forms, they all drop off and we stay in front of them with a light, what I call a light nurturing. So these are the high impression, low cost kind of display ads on LinkedIn, that would be great just to keep your logo and name in front of them long-term. So for 90 to 180 days, we just then switch to follower ads, text ads, and spotlight ads. And then if they do engage with this middle layer, so they they actually, you know, we, we retarget them and they actually engage with that retargeting layer, uh, that would be a great spot for this kind of 30-day high intent, stronger CTA, uh, like I said, you know, if you have a retargeting video and then they they're highly engaged with that, that's a great spot to kind of push a stronger call to action and kind of nudge them into action um, with a book a call or let's talk or a lead gen form that you know someone will follow up on. So we have the the cold audience retarget them for ninety days. If they make it through that without engaging anymore, we drop off the expensive stuff and just lightly nurture them with follower ads, text ads, and spotlight. If they do engage with the retargeting layer, we kind of push for a stronger call to action. So that would be the basic kind of framework or funnel. And it's kind of like this, uh, the way it works is kind of like there's this nucleus of a, a center of activity. So the, the closer they are to when they took action, that's when we're hitting them with like everything we got. And then the further they get away, uh, you know, after they get 90 days out from that, from taking their last action, we're dropping off more and more ads and just lightly nurturing them. The other thing I really try to do with with my ads in the retargeting is I try to funnel them into some kind of organic community so that even after they drop, if they age out of my link, I have my paid ad strategy, we're, they're in one of our owned lists that we can nurture them. So either pushing them 
to subscribe for our YouTube channel, our newsletter, pushing them to my personal LinkedIn um, page or our company page. If we can get them to follow one or more of those communities, then yeah, if even after our paid ads drop off, we still have an opportunity to stay in front of them essentially for free uh, and indefinitely in one of those communities. No, that's smart. So in a way, you're trying to kind of uh, create an own audience list for yourself through various means, be it newsletter yeah. or YouTube community. Wonderful. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, thanks for listening.